Hello and welcome back to Kyle's Antonio Monologue. In this episode, we're going to be covering the very important episode of Babylon 5, Severed Dreams. We've gotten to it. This is the big moment. This is the big status quo change. It's worth noting this episode won a Hugo Award for the series. This is phenomenal. This is just jaw-dropping amazing. Um, this is an amazing episode from its pacing to the tension to the drama to the to the way the direction of the uh action sequence take place this is damn good drama and what's great is this is not a like this is not something that will be course corrected babylon 5 is independent it's no longer part of the earth alliance and it's gonna remain that way they have declared independence this is a big status quo change. Nothing on Babylon 5 is going to be the same ever again. There is no way you can go back to the old status quo. The The status quo was established and then immediately broken, and it's wonderful. Um, I, the, this, this episode is just tense as hell, and I get chills every time I watch it. There is just a sense of awe that I have with this episode. It is near masterful. Um, so there's kind of like two sides of the story. You have, you have the Lynn stuff, then you have the Sheridan stuff, and then they kind of converge into an awesome moment of awesomeness. Um, I'm not at all biased towards the show. I don't, I don't like adore it or anything, right? Um, this is just, man, it's hard to talk about this episode logically, like any, from like a deconstructionist standpoint, because this episode knocked me on the floor when I first watched it. It still kind of does. I have watched it, goodness, I don't know how many times, even like in rewatches or just by itself, it knocks me on the floor. Um, this is what good storytelling does. Um, I've been saying that a lot. Like Babylon 5 is in its hot streak and it ain't going to slow down. And it's going to keep knocking you on the floor because that's what it does. That's what, that's what writing's supposed to do. Um, so let's, let's kind of talk about the behind the scenes thing, uh, in regards to this episode, and then let's talk about the Delenn, and then the Sheridan, and then the boom, the big stuff. So, the behind the scenes, General Haig, General Haig is just kind of killed off screen. And some people may cry foul to that, and go, oh, you know, we, we only met him a couple episodes, and, and then all of a sudden he's dead, I feel nothing for his death, blah, blah, blah. So there's a behind-the-scenes reason, and then there's a story reason, and they both kind of work in tandem quite well, I think. So the behind-the-scenes reason is that the guy playing General Haig um, was ba basically uh, double-booked by his agent. So, you know, you contact an actor, uh, an actor's agent, the agent then books them for this time that they, they need to be working on this, this show. He was double-booked, and he was booked... For a show called Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which uh, is interesting considering the rivalry between the two shows, Babylon 5 and Deep Space Nine, which I talked about last episode uh, with Major Barrett showing up. And DS9, obviously being the network show, being a high-profile sci-fi show such as Star Trek, paid more. Well, when you're double booked and you and you have the choice between one or the other, because you can't do both at the same time, you just don't, don't have the time or the energy... 
of course you're going to go with the one that gets that gets you more money. The irony is the actor who's going to play General Hag, uh, you know, General Hag is fighting against a dictator and someone who is like, uh, you know, instituted martial law and taken over the government, instituted a coup. The irony is, is that the character he plays in DS9 is in a two-part episode about a guy who attempts to instigate a military coup of the Earth government uh, and, and Starfleet in DS9. So there's kind of a hilarious irony to him being double-booked. But that's why Major Ryan shows up. Now, the in-story reason, the in-universe reason for General Hag not being there is actually quite well done. Um, this gives the story weight. General Haig was the predominant force behind the conspiracy of light against Clark uh, outside of Sheridan himself. He was the main one, the main focus on Earth that we saw uh, that was opposing Clark. And now he's been taken out. He's been cruelly and coldly murdered. They are uh, now Major Ryan has taken over. They're, you know, they don't have a big name. They're, they're on their own. They're outgunned. They're outmanned. They got nothing left. It adds tension to the rebels because now the resistance is stuck between a rock and a hard place. Their figurehead is gone. Any chance of winning probably went out the fucking window a long time ago, along with General Hegg's death. So this is monumental. Uh, and adds to the tension of the story. And while it would have been, it would have from a from a viewer standpoint, it would have been better to see General Hug because we knew who he was. We had attachment to the character. While he hadn't shown up a whole lot, he had shown up at least a couple times in the show. So we had it was a familiar face. We knew who he was. We knew his motivations. Whereas Major Ryan, we do not. It from a storytelling viewpoint works beautifully. Could it have been handled better? More succinctly? Sure. But considering this was a last-minute change before shooting, JMS handled it perfectly. Good stuff. Good, good, good stuff. Uh, and the, in the once again, JMS showing his adeptness at being able to handle the realities of a TV show. You Sometimes you can't get an actor back. Sometimes you just got to go with what you're, what, what's available. Sometimes you can't get what you need. And so you have to improvise, and sometimes those improvisations, improvisations turn out to be a betterment to the story. Like I'm saying, it, it ramps up the tension, it adds drama, and adds a sense of hopelessness to the cause of the resistance that wasn't there before. And I like that. Now, let's talk about the Delenn stuff. So, uh, so a member of the Rangers shows up on Babylon 5, and he talks about that the, basically, a bunch of non-aligned worlds have now aligned themselves with the shadows uh, out of fear of being conquered by the Centauri. And the, the shadows have sown their seeds of chaos and basically gotten everybody to turn on each other. And so now those that, that sentiment of fear quickly grew into a want of security. And in place of freedom comes security, and in place of security comes aggression. Um, it's the endless cycle. Um, you know, uh, fear leads to hate, hate leads to anger, <laughs> to quote Star Wars, but, um, that, that, that's how that works. And so they're, they're, they're going out of control and the Mimbari aren't doing anything. They're just sitting by complacently sitting 
not giving two shits. And one of them was quoted as saying, the, 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 the problems with others is not our concern. And so she goes to the Grey Council, to the council she was thrown off of for disobeying them, for fulfilling the prophecy that they all agreed to uphold, but then decided to wash their hands of, showing their complacency in their roles, that they are born as warrior, worker, and religious, and you cannot change, you cannot differ. It is duty. They are duty-bound, honor-bound, and caste-bound. You are born into a particular sect, and you will never change. Uh, they are entirely traditional and regiment focused. That's how that's how the Mimbari operate. And she goes, "Fuck this," and she or she calls them out perfectly on their complacency, on their stupidity that they are consistently ignoring the problems of others. The war that they knew was coming, the war they could have taken steps to prevent or lessen its strength, or anything, and they stand by and did nothing, because they stand between the candle and the star. They are gray. But if you're gray, if you stand between the candle and the star, that means you stand between something. And Delenn understands this. If they're being apathetic, that's standing to the side, not standing in between. Hence the Great Council allegory. And so she calls them out. And the warrior caste, which never particularly believes in the prophecy to begin with, goes, no, nope, they can they can die. We don't give a shit. And so Delenn breaks the council. It's a powerful scene. And we find out that the breaking of the Great Council was prophesied by Valen. Uh, and basically that all of this was meant to come to pass. And Delenn is only an instrument of destiny. What that means will be explored in later episodes. Um, but she perfectly calls them out on going, no, no, this is not how things should go. Uh, you, you are being complacent. You're being apathetic. You are going against everything you ever said you were. And you're betraying your own traditions, your own duty, your own honor by being this complacent. You have become obsessed with your own power. Uh, and so she snaps the, the speaker rod. It's, it's a fantastic moment. And because the shadows really have gotten everything they want. And even though uh, Delenn makes a powerful statement and says we need to do something and get some people to move with her and dissolve the Great Council, the shadows are still winning this. They want conflict. They want chaos. And now the Mimbari are divided. This ain't going to turn out well. Even if it was the right thing to do, even though Delenn is right, still has consequences. Sometimes, you can still do everything right, still lose. That's not failure, that is life. Babylon 5 is so good. And um, then, I... I want to talk about her entrance, but I'll get to that when we get to the battle. So, uh, you know, Clark is taking more steps and more steps, and ISN gets shut down. And what, what I like about this is that ISN has been towing the line between being telling the truth, telling it loudly, and towing the line of what Clark will allow them to say. And any good reporter worth their salt will tell you your job is to tell the truth. It doesn't matter who 
is in your way, you tell them to move. You, know, you plant yourself like a tree and say, no, you move. That is what a, the job of a journalist is, to tell the truth. And so a reporter comes on and says, We're, we haven't been allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it now. And the moment he does that, troops start uh, approaching ISN, and they cut the feed. And they're most, uh, you know, a large majority of those reporters, anyone that didn't didn't, you know, toe the line, is probably long dead. They got killed for telling the truth. And a government that tries to withhold the truth and state that the truth is nothing but fake news to be ignored. That is when you know you're in a horrible, oppressive system, because no. No official government body should ever attempt to censor the truth. The truth should be out there for your citizens to interpret as they will. That is the right of every person in the world. We have the right to know the truth. Uh, and I like that it, it's, it's shown that the journalists of ISN were struggling with the, the ability to do their jobs and the willingness to keep themselves alive. I like that one of them finally just stood up and did the job that he had trained all his life for. And he's probably long dead as a result. But I'm just glad someone stood up and did something. Uh, and Clark, you know, uh, not only has he declared martial law, but now he's bombing Mars. And basically anyone that is refusing to commit to his authority, he is taking by force, sending people to take them by force. And th this is spiraling out of control. Uh, you know, Proxima 3 and Mars, are, you know, are attempt to declare independence. You know, shit's going down. Uh, you know, fights are starting. This is a civil war. There is no doubt if, ands, or buts about it. This is getting serious. And I like that, uh, you know, Sheridan knows full well that they're going to be, the, the things are going to come after them. And they have to be ready and willing to fight. And uh, he make he makes that statement. He makes that statement, um, that holographic statement, and it's it's powerful. I got chills the first time I watched that. I still get chills because I, I if you listen to the spoiler section of my previous episodes, you know I was screaming at my TV for the past two episodes. Declare independence. Declare independence. Declare independence. Declare independence. And then suddenly they did. And I like how Sheridan does it. That if anybody feels uncomfortable with it. They can see themselves out. But for now, we have a situation we have to deal with, and it's going to get ugly. And I like that Ivanova, uh, the very much always has to be in control person, says, you know, we have to, one of us has to be out there, basically. Now, we are asking these people to fire upon their friends, potentially their family, people they know. And we have become the figureheads of a resistance. We cannot let them say that, you know, we are going to stand on the sidelines. We have to let them know that we're going to fight with them and keep the morale up. And she's right. It's dangerous, but she's right. And I like that the that throughout this entire episode, we there's this continuing feeling of dread. It, 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 it may be like like uh rubbed in a bit too uh too thickly like rubbing salt on the wound that you know apply too heavily that uh that they are killing people they know um like the horrors of a civil war is that you know who you are fighting and who you kill and the cost of that um but i think it's important to get across because sometimes 
I fear that TV shows glorify fighting and battle and um, don't quite... Basically, if you... Even if you're if you're telling an anti-war message, sometimes the thrills and the action that you have to use in TV or any kind of entertainment medium to keep your audience entertained can sometimes make the fighting seem a bit too clean and a bit too fun. I guess is the word for it. You know, war fighting in general is not clean. It's it's brutal, and while it may be laid on a bit too thick, I like that we are constantly reminded of the actual human cost that is going into this fight. That This is stuff that is weighing down on them. And then, of course, you have that big moment where Hiroshi, uh, you know, you know, rams her ship, and it's it, it causes Ivanova's, you know, Star Fury to go out of, go out of whack because she's so focused on just watching these people literally kill themselves for this cause and these are the first deaths of a civil war this is not just a small battle this is the beginning of a war and i like how it sells you on that and speaking of the battle itself it's incredibly well directed through the cgi hasn't aged well nothing in babylon 5 in regards to special effects and cgi has aged well it's aged rather poorly but what it has done is the way it's directed, the sort of flowing camera as it weaves in and out of the, the battle, um, and the, the way the ships are directed with the the, the, the tempered realistic uh, space physics, uh, and the way the ships are designed to be unique so you can spot them from, uh, from a mile away kind of thing, makes the action of flow where in other shows it doesn't quite work um and it just looks impressive even though it doesn't look beautiful it's impressive uh and just think that the scales of the battles are only gonna get you know you know increased from here on but of course how can i not mention that ending of you know delane coming in and saving the day you know, only one human captain has ever survived battle with a Mimbari fleet. He is behind me. You are in front of me. You value your lives. Be somewhere else. Just, you fist pump. It's great. There's not a lot I can say about this episode um, in terms of thematics or character stuff because it's it's a lot of, you know, telling you the cost of war, showing you the cost of war, and showing just how hard it is for each of these individuals. And I like that we get to meet, um, you know, uh, Sheridan's dad, different actor than the last time we saw him, but uh, we it gives us a, you know, bird's eye view kind of sort of a inside man into what's going on on Earth, just what the ordinary civilian feels about what's going on and how... The, the, it's even talked about that some people have embraced martial law because it's decreased crime. In the short term, it seems good, even though in the long term, it's going to be horrible. And I like that at the ending, Sheridan, because of everything he's had to do and everything he, stand, he stands against, he can't bring himself to wear that uniform. And when everybody is clapping and congratulating that big thank you scene that caps in caps off the episode 
how we go in from, you know, slowly zooming in the Sheridan to panning and zooming on the ripped apart uh, Nightwatch poster. This is a, you know, as I said, this, this was a battle, but this is turned into a war. And it's important to remember that while they may have won, which it's worth noting that they barely won, they barely scratched out a victory against the two ships that eventually showed up, and then when uh, Captain Drake and his other ship showed up, it took, you know, Delin saving their asses to even survive. They were goners before then. It, it was important that they all knew this was a suicide mission. You know, we fight or we die kind of thing. And they knew that they were going to die even if they surrendered, so it was might as well just fight. And it's important to remember that this was a small victory in the larger scheme of things. It's important, yes, but it is only one battle. There's going to be many more from here. So while it's a grand, amazing, spectacular episode, I don't have a lot to say on thematic ideas and character stuff because it's mainly continuing a lot of what this arc has been about. And... It's got some amazing moments in it and some moments that, you know, that stick with me and that TV shows should strive to be, you know, some of the most important, impactful episodes of TV shows should strive to be this amazing, this chill-inducing, this, uh, you know, fist-bumping, this amazing. This is the power of Babylon 5. Till then, see you next time. Bye. <laughs>